Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the Church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how he lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. We live in a culture fascinated by transformation. We love a good renovation show, don't we? Like the block or house rules, watching how old houses get transformed into something new and desirable. We also like looking at how things transform over time. Perhaps you know, perhaps you recognise where this is. Does, does anyone know where that is? Yes, exactly. It's, it's just at the end of, uh, or just outside Woolies on Darling Street. And how things changed, how things have changed since then. Cars have replaced trams and we've, we've now got a pedestrian crossing, a bank, a supermarket, one or two more coffee shops. And things are a lot more colourful these days. But, but we also like to hear stories about people being transformed. Does anyone know who this is? Okay. Well, <laughs> this is a man called Paul Mason. If you do a Google, a Google search and search for something like transformed person or, or uh, people transformed and then ignore all the uh, results about celebrities without makeup, plastic surgery, hair extensions and Michael Jackson, you'll eventually find Paul Mason. And he's a man with a very interesting story. He's had to battle with a number of life-threatening health issues um, but in this picture, he looks, he looks pretty normal. This is him after his life was transformed because of medical intervention. But we'll come back to Paul in a bit. You sometimes hear stories about how the news of Jesus, or the gospel, has transformed people's lives. Perhaps you've experienced such a transformation yourself. Well, the, the Apostle Paul tells us that the Thessalonians were a group of people whose lives have also been transformed. When Paul visited Thessalonica, he didn't actually get to spend much time there, especially for someone trying to set up a church. Acts 17 says he only got to speak to the Thessalonians and tell them about Jesus over three Sabbaths. It's like three weekends. After that, he had to leave in a hurry because a riotous mob were out to get him. And because he was only with these brand new Thessalonian Christians for such a short period of time, and because he knew they would be persecuted, Paul sent Timothy 
to check on them. So Timothy travels back to Thessalonica and then reports back to Paul that the Thessalonians are okay. In fact, they're better than okay. Despite the suffering and persecution, their faith in Jesus is stronger than ever. So Paul wrote this letter, 1 Thessalonians, to them to tell them he was thankful that they're doing so well. And he also answers a few of their questions toward the end. So why don't you um, keep your Bibles open with me while we take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's find out what Paul's thankful for. Come with me to verses 2 and 3 of chapter 1, where Paul writes, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see what Paul's thankful, thankful for here? I think, I think there are three things. The first is their work produced by faith. The Thessalonians have a faith in Jesus that's alive and active, and it brings them to do good work. Their faith isn't just about knowing things in their head, nor is it about just paying lip service to Jesus, but it's a faith that affects and influences their lives. The second thing that Paul's thankful for is their labour prompted by love. Paul's referring to the hard labour and toil the Thessalonians perform to serve God and each other because they know God loves them. And the third thing is their endurance inspired by hope in Jesus this endurance, isn't, it's not a passive endurance like, like waiting in a queue kind of endurance where you have no choice but to do it, but rather it's, a, it's an active endurance like someone competing in a marathon. And the Thessalonians' endurance comes from hope in Jesus, which to them was a confident expectation of Jesus' return. And the good things going on in the Thessalonian church, they don't end there. In verse 6, Paul says the Thessalonians are imitators of not only him, but also of Jesus. And what better way is there to follow Jesus than to imitate him? And on top of that, in verse 8, it says that the message of Jesus rang out through the Thessalonians, not just to their neighbours, but everywhere. So it sounds like the Thessalonian church had it pretty much sorted. Their lives have been transformed. In fact, Paul says... They're a model church. At this point, let's go back to our friend Paul Mason, because sometimes it's not until you've seen how someone was before a transformation that you realise how big the transformation was. Believe it or not, that is also Paul Mason. And at one point in his life, Paul was thought to be the world's largest man. A relationship breakdown coupled with depression led him to become addicted to eating. He, he consumed 10 times what an average person would. And in a single day, he would, he would eat 40 bags of chips and, and 20 bars of chocolate. He weighed nearly 450 kilos or 1,000 pounds. He, he was wider than he was tall and, and he was six foot tall. He needed a team of people to take care of him. He was trapped in his bed and he wanted to change. So he underwent life-saving surgery 
to to shrink his stomach, and it changed his life. He lost two-thirds of his body weight. He could get out of bed. He could walk. He could travel. He, he could experience simple things that he'd never done, he wasn't able to do before. He, I remember reading that he, just walking out and going, going to stand in the car park was a revelation for him. He took up photography. He was able to have relationships again. His life was transformed. And just like Paul Mason, the Thessalonians had a pre-transformation life as well. So why don't we take a look at that? Come with me down to verse 9, or the second half of verse 9, where Paul writes, they tell how you turned to God from idols. That's right. This, this model Thessalonian church were once idol worshippers, and, and they were idol worshippers in a big way because it was ingrained in their culture. They worshipped all the idols of all the Egyptian and Greek and Roman gods. Their city even had a patron god. On top of that, many people also thought the emperor, Caesar, was a god as well. But we also get a feel for what the Thessalonians were like from Acts 17, where there's an account of what actually happened when Paul visited them. I'll let you read the whole account for yourself, but in summary, Paul and Silas arrive in Thessalonica and they go to the Jewish synagogue. And over three Sabbaths, Paul explains who Jesus is. And some of the Jews there, as well as some of the Greeks, they become followers. And that's great. But, and I guess this is where it starts to get interesting, Paul's message angered the other Jews that didn't become followers. His message made them jealous. So much so that they went and found people to to form a mob and start a riot in the city just because of what Paul was saying. And then they tried to find Paul and Silas to throw them to the mob, but they couldn't. And they wouldn't let it go. So they took who they could find, which was the poor guy that let Paul and Silas stay at his house, Jason, and they dragged him off instead. So then, in the cover of darkness, Paul and Silas escaped to Berea which was a town about 70 kilometres away. And in those days, people didn't have cars, so you'd probably think twice before going that far. But guess what? When the angry Jews in Thessalonica heard that Paul and Silas were in Berea, they pursued them all the way there. They were so angry. And then they tried to get the people of Berea stirred up against Paul as well. So what does, this, what does all this tell us about the Thessalonians? Well, before they heard the gospel, they were either fairly serious idol worshippers or fairly serious Jews, neither of which sounded like they'd be interested in hearing about someone called Jesus. And if you compare that to how Paul described them in his letter, their transformation is remarkable and completely against the prevailing culture. So something amazing happened to the group of Thessalonians that became followers of Jesus. And not only did they become followers of Jesus, but they became the model church of their time, and all that after only a three-week visit from Paul. So what, what did the Thessalonians do to make it all happen? Well, come with me um, back to verse 4 of chapter 1 in 1 Thessalonians. Paul writes, For we know, brothers, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. 
So what did they do to become the model church of their day? Well, I'm not really sure that they did that much, to be honest. It seems like it's all the work of God. Paul says that God had chosen the Thessalonians. And when they heard the gospel, I guess they heard it with their ears, but we're also told the Holy Spirit was involved to powerfully and deeply convict them. The Thessalonians came to their understanding of the gospel and their incredible faith because of God and the Holy Spirit working powerfully within them. But that's only half the story. In the next chapter, we get to look at this from the perspective of Paul as he was bringing them the message. So let's have a look at chapter 2, verse 2. Paul writes, We had previously suffered and had been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. When Paul mentions that they suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, he wasn't kidding. That's another one you can read the full account of in Acts 16. But to cut a long story short, Paul and Silas came to... to, um, Before Paul and Silas came to Thessalonica, they'd been in Philippi, where they were brought before the local magistrates and without a trial were stripped and severely beaten with rods in public and then thrown into prison just for talking about Jesus. And they clearly hadn't forgotten that beating by the time they'd arrived in Thessalonica. And you'd think that, along with the hostility of the locals, would be enough to make them keep their mouths shut. But it doesn't. And you feel like shouting out to Paul, what's the matter with you? Didn't that rod beating in Philippi teach you anything? And these Thessalonians, they clearly don't want to hear about Jesus, so so why do you persist? Well, Paul gives us a few reasons. Let's take a look at verse 4, where Paul says that we speak, to, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God. So Paul's motivation comes from a desire to do what God wants first. And Paul knows he has the incredible responsibility of having the gospel entrusted to him to care, to protect and deliver the gospel to those that need to hear it. And this is shown by how Paul shared the gospel with them. He tells it to them straight up. He makes it clear that he's not making it up. He's not in it for himself or trying to gain anything. Have a look at verse 3. The appeal we make to you does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. And in verse 5, you know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. But Paul is also made motivated by a genuine love for the Thessalonians. In verses 6 and 7, he writes that instead of asserting the authority an apostle could demand, Paul was gentle and says that just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. So instead of pulling an an alpha male type power play and forcing the Thessalonians to submit to him because he was an apostle, he takes a completely different approach based on love and cares for them. Have a look at verse 8 with me. He says that because we loved you so much, 
we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So Paul isn't just dropping a gospel tract on the Thessalonians and saying, hey, read this, it might change your life, and then running off to do something else. He wanted to share his life with them. And this would have been Paul showing the Thessalonians how to live out the gospel in real life. There in person, right there with them. He would have spent time with them, developing relationships with each of them and showing them directly how the gospel shaped his life. And it's hard to imagine that this Paul, who lovingly shared the gospel and his life with the Thessalonians, is the same man that when he was younger was doing everything he could to destroy the church. He stoned and imprisoned believers. He was the one that dished out the beatings. But Paul was a man transformed, and it was the power of the gospel that did it. It led him to preach the message to the Thessalonians, which then transformed their lives. But what is the gospel? And what was the message that Paul told the Thessalonians exactly? Well, why don't you turn with me to Acts 17, and we'll find out. Let's have a look at um, verse 2. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. The message was simply that Jesus is the Messiah, the one promised by God to save his people and that to fulfill his mission, he had to suffer and rise from the dead. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians, verses 9 and 10, because the same message is there. Paul writes, They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Paul's message to the Thessalonians was that the wrath of God, God's judgment, was coming for them. But Jesus, who was God's son, died to take on God's judgment for them. And then Jesus rose again to show that he satisfied God's judgment so that they wouldn't have to. And the thing is, that message applies to us as much as it does to them. God's judgment is coming for us. But Jesus, who is God's son, died to take on God's judgment for us. And Jesus rose again to show that he satisfied God's judgment so that we won't have to. So where does all this leave us? Well, maybe looking at today's passage has inspired you to to want to find out more about the gospel that transformed Paul and the Thessalonians. Maybe you're interested in finding out more about Jesus and how his death and resurrection saves us from God's judgment. If that's you, then can I suggest there's no better place to find out more than the Bible? Maybe have a, have a read through one of the Gospels. The Gospel of Mark can be a good place to start. Or, or, or um, maybe I could you know, invite you along to one of our Bible study groups. They meet locally every week. Unfortunately, they're on holidays this week. But it's a place where you can read and discuss the Bible and 
in a, in a friendly and open environment. It's a great way to find out what the Bible says about Jesus and also get to know people in our church as well. If you'd like to join a Bible study group, I guess you could um, email Luke or have a chat to me after the service or have a chat to anyone else who's in a Bible study group or one of the leaders. Perhaps looking at today's passage got you thinking about how the gospel should transform our lives. Maybe you think we need to be more countercultural, like the Thessalonians. While society around us idolizes the modern day gods of sex, money and power, perhaps you feel we need to be more we need to do more to turn to God from idols, to serve him, and to wait for Jesus to return. Perhaps you feel we could be more like the Thessalonians and better demonstrate works produced by faith, labour prompted by love, endurance inspired by hope in Jesus, or even strive to be better imitators of Jesus. Or maybe you can think of people in our church that are like that. And like Paul, thank God for blessing our church with them. Perhaps looking at today's passage has reminded you of the gospel's power to transform lives and maybe it's inspired you to want to tell a friend about Jesus. Maybe you could follow Paul's example to reach out to them in love, explain the gospel clearly and share your life with them so that you can show them what a difference Jesus makes to you.